This is Career Competitor, and it is the podcast that believes we all have a competitive self that drives our optimal performance in our careers and within our lives. My name is Steve Meller, and in the past 15 years, having been a coach to high performers, Olympians, business owners, executives across all walks of life, I have come to find that competitiveness comes from within. And I'm going to be using this podcast to really showcase how competitors from all walks of life are finding optimal performance and have built the careers that they have today. Hello there, and welcome into this episode of Career Competitor, where I have two guests joining me today, Jason Jagged and Kristen Freyd, both of Novus Global coaching and this is just the absolute perfect way for us to finish out the year in 2023 because this is going to challenge you folks to really shift that mindset that outlook that perspective that you have heading into 2024 on how you can make it the best year yet in fact you're going to learn a term called meta performance and we're going to see if we can implement meta performance in 2024 on your behalf through our conversation today. So Jason and Kristen are both going to get the intro they deserve, but a couple of things here to be on the lookout for within the conversation. Firstly, the importance of clearly identifying and defining value for our visions in order to fuel the pursuit of them. Secondly, we're going to cover the power of sharing our vision so we can find alignment with those capable of supporting it. And finally, we're going to get into why we are all capable of not only leaning into growth in one professional area of our lives, but why we can do this across our entire lives. So those three things and much more throughout our episode today, I very much encourage you to listen to all of it. It's a slightly longer episode. We're going close to an hour. So if you need to break it up into two parts, go ahead and do that. But I assure you, this is one worth sticking around for the entirety of. So with no further delay, let's get right into it with Jason Jagged and Kristen Freyd of Novus Global, and I hope you all enjoy. Hey, before we carry on with this episode, let me bring your attention to a link that you'll find right there in the show notes so that you can subscribe to my monthly email. It's just going to give you some awesome insights on who it is I am, what it is I've got going on, and maybe there'll be one or two food for thoughts in there that can stimulate your process, get you to get a little unstuck, get you to take a little bit more action, and maybe get you a little closer to optimal performance as you start to shape a stronger version of your optimal self. Go ahead, click that link in the show notes so you can become part of the ever-growing email list that's receiving this awesome insight each and every month, courtesy of me and courtesy of Career Competitor. Now, back to the episode. Okay, our career competitors today represent two of the powerful coaching minds within Novus Global, a coaching firm that help you get what you want by exploring what you are capable of, while also both serving as faculty with the Meta Performance Institute. One of our guests is the founding partner and CEO of Novus Global, where he has served as an executive coach since it was founded nine years ago. Recently, he authored the highly acclaimed book, Beyond High Performance, which became a US Today bestseller earlier this year and has now surpassed over 10 
thousand copies sold. Our other guest is an associate partner with Novus Global, where she has served as an executive coach for the past three years. She's certified in cognitive behavioral life coaching, as well as perceptual intelligence, and arguably her most monumental feat to date has been dealing with me as her coaching client for the past year. So from one coach to another, I'm truly excited and honored to be welcoming into career competitor, Jason Jagged and Kristen Freyd. Guys, welcome. Oh, thanks, Steve. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Absolutely. So where to start? Again, we were just joking before a press record here, and you two are as well known to me as you can possibly be, simply because first and foremost, Kristen and I have worked together for a year. And Jason, I've, I've just loved getting to learn more of your story through your book. And as we release this episode, it's going to be the last episode of the year. And so what a wonderful mm. time to kind of play around with some perspective, play around with some mindsets. <laughs> and maybe let's get people shifting out of this notion of what goals can I achieve? What goals can I achieve for 2024? And let's maybe just talk about how can we pursue growth? How can we pursue growth in 2024? So I'm just going to throw that one out there for the two of you about as open-ended as it can possibly get. Kristen, <laughs> I'm going to come to you first because yeah. I've been waiting to ask you a question <laughs> for over a year. And so finally, I get to ask a question now. But talk to me a little bit about maybe when you look at growth as a concept, where on earth do you start in your coaching business? For myself, coaching like growth for myself? Yes, for yourself. So a lot of it starts with vision. So it's essentially zeroing in on where do I actually want to grow? What area or areas do I want to grow in and why? And so that's the vision piece is like attaching the why to it because growth is not super comfortable. <laughs> and, and so it's really figuring out what is worth growing for. And then I essentially re reverse engineer, so to speak, of, okay, well, where do I want to start? What, where am I even starting from <laughs> and getting clear on where I currently am so that I know like what direction I'm going towards with the vision. But then like, to me, some of those growth pieces tend to show up in the midst of it. So it's like, I define the vision first of what, why does this even matter? What is worth growing for? Then I define where I currently am. And then it's almost like stepping stones start to appear of like, all right, well, here's the first one. And then I'm gonna take that first step. And then there's the next one. I'm gonna take that next step. And growth happens in the process for me. Yeah. I love that, I love by the that. way. I've never heard uh, someone say it that way. It's worth growing for. That's coinable. That's teamable. Uh, vision is a goal worth growing for. It's got legs to it. I like that a lot. Well, good. Glad this is recorded. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, value value right away is it, it's so funny when we're working in the space that we all work in. It's this notion of you know, what's the value of coaching? What's the value of coaching? Can we measure the value of coaching? And that's it's such a question that I get asked, and I'm just like, well, it depends how you want to look at it, right? Depends how you want to look, what perspective you want to look through it. So, Jason, I'd love for you just to maybe piggyback a little bit off what Kristen's saying there. Talk to us a little bit more about you know the value concept of, of growth. Oh, that's great. From my perspective, value is incredibly subjective. So some people, it's worth 5,000 bucks to pay for a certain goal. Other people, they wouldn't pay five cents for it. And then other people, for some, some goals are worth paying um, millions of dollars for. In fact, if you, you know, talk to entrepreneurs and, and CEOs, they're regularly investing millions and millions of dollars, uh, sometimes tens of millions of dollars, sometimes billions of dollars uh, to accomplish their goals. And so what I like about what Kristen said is usually when you're, when you're working with a, a potential client, you really are mining for uh, what do they value and what makes their heart beat fast. You know, uh, what, what, uh, a question that I oftentimes ask potential clients is okay, may, imagine 
it's a year from now and our, our coaching was a raving success. I mean, beyond your wildest dreams, uh, what would, what would make you like involuntarily collapse to the ground in awe and cry because you can't believe that this is your life. And, and just to say this, you know, you know, a good coach is going to help you um, get what you want. What we say at the firm is a great coach will help you expand what you want. And that's really important to me as we create a culture at Novus Global. And Kristen is such a huge asset to this. And she models with, her, with uh, models this with her life is, is not just taking a person's desires at face value, but believing that there's uh, more, that there are both bigger desires and healthier desires that we can tap into. And once we do that, then that's really something worth investing in and, and paying for. Yeah. Uh, something you said there, the model for life component is such an integral part of this. And just to be clear, I've taken so many notes around the book and pulled from so many thoughts and concepts from mine and Kristen's work together. And it's going to be almost overwhelming for me to feel so I can actually get everything in that I want to get in in the space of like 40, 45 minutes with you guys. Um, but straight away there, this notion of this model for life and this sort of all-encompassing approach that comes with every aspect of growth and, and something you've hit on there, Jason, which I want to go to Kristen now about because the work that you and I did together, something you continually did with me was never let me stop considering what I wasn't seeing. Mm. You, 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 you always allowed me to make sure, hey, listen, th there's something you probably aren't seeing right now. We need to have a discussion about that as much as the thing that maybe is just right in front of you. And so when you, Kristen, start working with the client on just getting a little bit clear about how do you make this part of your lifestyle, this entire approach that we're talking about here, never mind this pursuit in your business, never mind this pursuit in your personal life. We're talking about the all-encompassing from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep. Where on earth do you start with that process? Well, a lot of times I, I'll take what they say at face value as a starting point because there's something in mm -hmm. there. There's some desire that they've identified. And then I know that there is a lot underneath that. Mm -hmm. And so that's when we start mining for things. So for instance, you know, many times clients will come to me with a monetary goal. I want to make this much money or I want to hold this, you know, get promoted to this position or fill in the blank with whatever that initial desire is. When we really start digging into why, there are so many times where it comes down to, I want more time flexibility so that I could spend more time with my family. But they didn't, that wasn't the initial thought that they had. They didn't realize that that was the underneath, like really true, true desire that they have. And even with that, okay, why, why do you want to spend more time with your family? And uh, I'll just keep asking that question, just the simple why sometimes until we get to usually either laughter or tears. <laughs> One of the two usually pops up and then I know that we really hit something because then there's something more emotional, like there's more of that emotional connection that they have with their vision that they find is worth growing for. And that's where it's like, okay, now we can really start now. Now we can really start transforming, figuring out what's underneath the surface. How are we getting in our own way? And then it's, it's like, it's go time. We can play. And they're up for it because again, they have that true desire, not just the surface level result, or I don't want to say symptom necessarily, because that sounds more negative, but more of a, like a byproduct of what they really want. Mm. I love that. And it's funny in, in my business, I talk so much about the optimal self, you know, we're, we're always pursuing the optimal self and it leaves this sort of notion of everything remains on the table, similar to obviously what you're, you're all preaching there with Novus and I'm I'm interested, Jason, when you think about 
the power of the people around you that are influencing that day in, day out, the people in your house, the people in your business, the people in your life. You know, if you're trying to integrate this way of thinking, how big of a role is that support system around you each and every day? Yeah, I mean, it, that's a huge value for us in the firm is uh, community. And, you know, you, uh, and, and most coaches are uh, solopreneurs and it's great and it's awesome. And that's what I did when I first got, uh, got started. And then pretty quickly, there was this idea. I don't, I don't know if you've noticed this, Steve, when you hang out with different coaches, but there is this like, um, very rarely is there completely unguarded conversation because there's always this subtext of like, we're competitors. And, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to necessarily, uh, totally let your hair down. I mean, you and I don't have much hair left, but we're not no. gonna we're not gonna totally let our hair down <laughs> and talk about what's really going on, what's really hard, unless you're paying them to coach you or something. And uh, and that just really um, can oftentimes slow down our, our ability to grow. And so, you know, at the firm, we're pretty fanatical about getting people around each other. You know, Kristen and I were just in. She and, and Kristen's awesome. Like she is so gracious to other people in the firm. She uh, created an opportunity for actually me to come to Raleigh and this really great event that she was speaking at and she let me play. And so we got to do that together, which is super fun. And then I was doing a thing in Nashville and invited Kristen and a bunch of other coaches from our firm. And so they all came together and we really do believe in this concept of like serving in herds and, uh, and this idea that we're just better together. And so in the book, we actually talk about four different types of teams. I think that's what you might be alluding to. And you've got the teams that work for you. You got the teams you work for, you've got the teams you work on, and then you got the teams that work on you. And as if, if you really want to excavate the potential that's in your life and excavate the love that's in your life and excavate the, um, your capacity to create beauty in the world, you're going to need those four teams. Uh, and, and that's one of my favorite chapters, chapters in the book. And it's something that we're really, really passionate about. Yeah, no doubt. And it's something I've been, you know, I, my background, Jason, if you're not sure, is like I came from college sport. I came from college swimming specifically. And oh, yeah. I was coaching in a world there where no one really made time for anyone beyond the most surface of surface level because it was so high competitiveness. Yeah. It, was, it was just, hey, we're all in this for ourselves. And it's probably why I actually felt like it was the wrong place for me to exist. And it was something I eventually was able to come to grips with. And one of my most refreshing I guess, realizations through the, the building of my, my coaching business now has been the wealth of willingness to sort of say, hey, let's, there's enough room for us all here, guys. And if we actually make room for one another, we can not only all succeed, but we can all be there to support the constant sort of facilitation of that growth. Yeah. Especially if you're picking the right people. And I know I can't say this is an all-encompassing thing, but for the most part, I think coaches like yourselves find more coaches like yourselves. Because you just radiate the, everything that we're talking to right now, which is, again, why I wanted you guys to come on. It's just like you talk about that competitiveness. I have coaches come on here all the time. It's like, hey, come on, come all. Let's, we've all got stuff to bring to this. Why can we not all just find a way to get along and pull these incredible insights from one another? Which is actually something I found really cool from the book, Jason, was you mentioned that you have coaches of all experience coaching one another. To the point where you even have some of the newest coaches in your firm coaching yourself. You yep. guys, all these years. Talk to us a little bit about the importance of just not only having this kind of support system, but even finding ways to challenge yourself by bringing different perspectives into it. Yeah, well, you know, a good coach can coach anyone, and that's, per that's probably common sense. What's lesser known is that a great client can be coached by anyone. 
And so I, and I really believe that. I really believe that I'm committed when I'm working with a coach to be a great client. And that means that the results aren't up to the coach. The results are up to me. And I could work with, you know, Bobo the Dancing Monkey and I could create unbelievable results from Bobo. Bobo would become a world-class coach <laughs> because I'm committed to being a world-class client. Uh, by the way, I, I just wanted to digress for a second because, uh, Steve, I like what you said and around community. And, uh, you know, I was having a conversation with Dan Lafalar. He's the head of Novus Global Sport and Kristen works uh, with a lot of athletes as well in that space. And we were actually interviewing uh, one of his clients and for our podcast. And he was talking about how a big part of working with athletes is helping them build community. It's not just about, mm. it's about building a kind of community that unleashes performance. Because there's some communities that actually diminish performance. And then there's the types of communities that unleash performance. And I think that, you know, Kristen could probably speak to this better than I could in terms of working with athletes and how do you, how do you not only be in community as a coach, but also with your clients, help them really excavate their capacity uh, to, to create community themselves. And actually, Kristen, can I bother you first? Can I put you on the spot? Sure. <laughs> so, one, so Steve, I think this is so cool. I don't know if she's told you this, but I cannot stop thinking about it. And you, cause you had asked a question, two questions ago around like having this integrate into your life. And so how do you integrate the work into your life? And I, I find that's the struggle of all coaches. You know, when we first get trained as coaches, you know, we have the Institute for Meta Performance where we train people how to, you know, become coaches and everything. And, and we, we almost like, not almost, we warn spouses and families <laughs> when someone's going to get trained because you just go through this kind of growth curve uh, where you can sometimes come across as very arrogant. You get very excited about the tools Sure, and then you like unsolicitedly start using them on everyone, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it's just a natural, unfortunate part of the process. I think as people get excited about things, and it's been really cool watching uh, Kristen integrate this work into her family and with her uh, with her kids. And Kristen, I thought it was the coolest thing the way that you and your hubs, who I also uh, really like a lot, how you like architected like in your parenting style into like goals and, and rewards. Would, would you be willing to, to talk about it? Steve, I'm not trying to take over your I, show or anything. I, but. Well, I, I'm aware of this, so I want you, I encourage this. Yeah. Please go ahead Thank and you. share this. Thank yeah. you. Isn't this great? Yeah. I just think this is so cool. Chris, do you mind yeah. sharing kind of how you started integrating like vision and, and, and into, your, into your family and even into your kids? Yeah, for sure. And yes, yeah, Steve's a Disney fan too. Right. So uh, he's, he's got all the Disney Through marriage, through marriage. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but still, you're you're here for yes. it. And so, well, I will say when my husband and I decided essentially what would be next in our careers, and I decided on like going all in on coaching. One of our values that we did not want to change, um, and that we really wanted to solidify, was flexibility and our family as a whole being tied into everything that we're doing. And so, I have three small kids. And uh, I'm up in the office quite a bit, or I travel a little bit for work. My husband um, is in real estate, so he has weekend showings and nighttime things. And and so we have flexibility, but we're still working. Mm. <laughs> and we want our kids to see that as that's a choice that we make, why we're doing it. And so we brought them into it where we made this tracker, like a chart of with a hundred boxes. And we said, okay, for every contract that mom or dad gets, you get to mark off a box. And we at 50 boxes are going to Great Wolf Lodge, which they they chose the mm -hmm. price. And then, you know, when we hit a hundred, where do you want to go? And they're like, Disney World, which we've never been to as a family, 
And so it's like, Ooh, okay, <laughs> so, but we're, we're here for it. And, and it was so great because we kept it front and center. It was taped up to our wall. They uh, not only held us accountable because if it was, if it had been a little while, they'd be asking, oh, yeah. like, have you got another contract yet? Have you got another contract yet? And, you know, they took turns marking it off and they'd all run over to it and color it in. And, you know, we do a little dance and, when, you know, Nick would have to go to a showing or some work, it's it's like, hey, why does dad do this? Oh, so we can go to Disney mm-hmm. World. Yep, that's it. And they would be over it. And it's like, okay, like they got it mm-hmm. that, hey, we work to do fun things as a family. We work so that we can have things like this. They don't just, they're not just given to you. So really trying to teach them both life lessons of we work to just take care of our basic needs, but also we work hard so we could play hard mm-hmm. and play hard as a family. So that's, that's, that was really fun to play so- out. I think that's so brilliant. And right. one of the things I've been thinking about this a lot, Kristen, we haven't talked about this yet internally in the firm. Uh, like, I'll, I'll, we'll do it now. So, so one of the, one of the labs that we do for companies oftentimes is the thing on feedback. And oftentimes when we do like two day trainings for corporations and everything, and Kristen's done several of those, it's like one of those powerful sections, the feedback we get is on mm-hmm. the feedback section. So, the, so when we get feedback, they say the best part, one of the best parts was this feedback thing. And what's really interesting about that when we're giving feedback, we talk about you know aligning feedback to a person's vision, and which is great when it's an individual. But the, the problem with that is like what happens when like let's say uh, Kristen and I work together, and let's say I'm uh, let's say I work for Kristen and Kristen's my boss, and and she wants to give me feedback, and my vision let's say uh, my vision is to like move to another country and do a completely unrelated job. Well, that's great for me, but that actually hurts Kristen. <laughs> So mm-hmm. that doesn't help her vision at all. And so it's not enough right. to just align feedback to a person's vision. You actually want to align feedback to a shared vision. So if Kristen and I work together and I'm giving her feedback, it's not enough just to align my feedback to her vision only. I want to find in the Venn diagram of life, where does her vision and my vision overlap? And mm-hmm. then I, I have total freedom to give her feedback in alignment with that vision. And by the way, if our visions don't overlap at all, then we probably shouldn't be working together and because there's this there's irreconcilable misalignment mm. now bringing that back to her story about uh her kids and her family they had they developed a shared vision they, they developed the kids want to go to disneyland and the parents want to be able to create careers and also go to disneyland but also you know create careers and and, and weather the challenges of being entrepreneurs and, and her and her husband are both really really talented entrepreneurs in multiple seasons of their careers you know, and so that just that that shows the power of that to where the kids are not only um, not resenting them for working, but are actually like pushing them out the door, pushing them up to the office. Go land those deals, mom, because right. now we have a shared vision. And if you can create cultures like that, and most of the time we're talking about doing that with families, or sorry, with companies. But I love the brilliance of Kristen doing that with her family, and that just I, I can't wait for it to be in a book someday or something, Kristen. Like that's such a powerful story. And it's like, I'll take two of those. Like, I'll have what she's having. How can we have more yeah. of that in our companies, in our, in our families, in our communities? Mm, thanks. 100%. And I even learned a valuable lesson from Kristen through coaching using a similar, similar idea, similar vision. And it was for myself to begin with, but it was almost my way of qualifying what I was doing, why I was doing it, and helping me then. Something I wanted to add to this whole discussion was this notion of getting on the, sh- the shared language. Mm-hmm. To it, it's almost like you're now speaking the same language within a household, yeah, or within a within a community that otherwise people wouldn't understand why you're doing it, what you're going for. And it was something I encountered with athletes all the time. Mm-hmm. 
they would tell me, I want to be this good. I'd say, do you know what it takes to be that good? Yes, coach. Okay, great. If I hold you accountable to that standard, are you going to resist? No, coach. First time, resistance. It's like, okay, so we've missed something here. We're not speaking the same language. We're not speaking the same language because the last thing I, I notice is very quickly in that world, as a coach in sport, you should never want it more than the athlete, mm. ever. And there's so many coaches, sadly, that if they were honest with themselves and they looked at the athlete's behavior versus the investment that they have as a coach, they would probably say that they want it more than the athlete. Mm. And it leads me down straight away to this area within growth where we get things wrong and getting more comfortable with being wrong. You know, And again, from a coaching side of things, I was always very comfortable, especially in sport, acknowledging the moment I was wrong. I would even speak to an entire group of athletes and say, hey, in the middle of a workout, I got it wrong. This is not, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Let's press pause. Let's reset. Let's try it this different way. Let's make sure we get the buy-in to where it needs to be. And that was something that I took pride in being willing to do that. However, I know that isn't necessarily the norm. And so, Kristen, I'd love to come to you because, you know, you've at this point now, I'm sure you've got such a diversity with the types of folks that you've coached. I'm just curious when it comes to people getting comfortable with being wrong. Do you pull from your own experience to, to sort of help them with that? Is there another sort of approach that you maybe take? Like, how do you get someone comfortable simply with that notion of, hey, it's, it's okay to be wrong? Well, the first thing I thought of was like, well, I don't know if they have to be comfortable with being wrong, <laughs> but at least open to it to start because um, so many more possibilities open up when you are willing to be wrong. Do I pull from my own experiences? A hundred percent. And uh, if you are an Enneagram follower, I'm an Enneagram one, which is fairly black and white. And I really, I mean, all humans want to be right, but I really want to be right. And I remember actually one of the coaches in the firm sharing some feedback with me. And he was basically like, Kristen, when you are done trying to get it right all the time, you're going to like take off to a whole nother level. And I really took that to heart and uh, began almost pursuing my mantra was actually run towards the uncomfortable because there were so many things in that, that it's like, Oh, what's wrong about that? Oh, what's wrong about that? Oh, didn't know that. But there was such great fruit on the other side of being wrong, of being uncomfortable because we learn more from when we're wrong than when we're right. Mm -hmm. And so I was just pursuing learning at a really rapid pace, being really willing to be uncomfortable. And I will say, like, the more uncomfortable you're willing to be, the more comfortable it actually does get. And so it's almost like you do the uncomfortable until it becomes comfortable. And if you're not comfortable yet, you keep doing it because yeah. <laughs> you're not there yet. So absolutely have drawn on my own experiences. I think the questions depend on the person or how I draw that out of them, so to speak. But a lot of times those questions that just kind of open up that door a little bit to the possibility of it, and then we can kind of test to see how willing they really are or not. Absolutely. Jason, what are your favorite, one of my favorite lines that you actually provide in the book is this notion of when you're being right or when you're being wrong, they feel the exact same until you actually realize that you are wrong. <laughs> yeah. So there's something about the pursuit I feel here that we can definitely tap a little bit more into as well. So I'd love for you just to maybe tap into that a little bit more so for us here, this notion of 
almost going about finding being wrong almost like this curiosity towards being wrong like again maybe i was reading it slightly wrong but that i feel as though that's how i was kind of reading it was because i related to it as an athlete in the notion of i would always find out that i was running too fast when i got tired but while i was running fast felt great (laughs) it felt really good but you only know that you're running too fast when you actually get tired and you can look back and say oh shoot yep i was running too fast this entire time so i'd love for you just to talk to me a little bit more about that pursuit and being comfortable in that pursuit most people who are high performers are high performers because of how often they're right and that's what they're rewarded for at amazon if you google like what do what does amazon look for for executives they, they post publicly kind of their top 12 things they look for and and one of the things that they, I think I wrote about this in the book, and they, one of the things they look for are we look for people who are right a lot, and which is awesome. And that's going to that's gonna attract like a high performance thing. The challenge with that is when you're trying to do things you've never done before, or in Amazon's case, doing things no one's ever done before. And the only way to do that, and that's why Bezos coined like a, a, a day zero, I think he calls it a day zero mindset, is like imagine that of all the success we've had, we're starting over from scratch today. Now, what do we do? And that's like the learner's mindset. That's Carol Dweck's growth mindset. And, you know, it, I think I think I talk about the book. Ed Catmull talks about how at any given moment, he's the, uh, he was the founder of Pixar. He's the, uh, he was, he was president of Pixar and Disney animation. And I've been around him several times. And he, one of my favorite quotes of his, he goes, at any given moment, I assume that I'm radically wrong about something. And to Kristen's point, it's how you orient yourself to it. So it's almost like a game. I find when people are dragging me into, where I'm wrong, uh, there, then there's resistance, there's resentment, there's defensiveness. But if I can stay in a place where, like, where I'm looking for what's wrong recreationally, then that's like really, really exciting. And I find that to be true, by the way, in interpersonal relationships. You know, so anytime I get sideways in a working relationship or in a romantic relationship or whatever, I, I really try hard to default to okay, obviously this isn't working, and obviously it's not working because at least some level. I'm doing something that's not working. Like I'm, I'm at least part of the problem. I'm either the whole problem, fifty percent of the problem, or ten percent of the problem. But I don't, and I don't know how what percent it is. Uh, but I do know that I'm part of the problem. So if I can start getting curious first and fast around, okay, how am I contributing to this thing that I say that I don't like, or how am I contributing to this breakdown in relationship or leadership or whatever? Uh, then you don't have to take it so personally and then it, then it becomes fun then it becomes like a scavenger hunt because you know that the only reason the only way you're going to solve this you are not going to solve I'll, I'll say this to your audience any problem you're facing right now you're not going to solve it by being right about it you are only going to solve it by discovering where you're wrong and so if you're really committed to solving things then you'll get excited about getting wrong and the evidence that you're not committed to solving it is that you're not curious about how you might be wrong yeah, we've done some work on that, <laughs> Kristen. You know, <laughs> and again, it just, I knew this was going to happen as we were talking here. I was just like, oh, there's like so many examples of the work that we've done in a wonderful way, in a truly wonderful way. And, you know, for me, it's why I was so excited about having you both on is that, you know, I'm such an advocate for the way in which you are doing and facilitating what it is you do and facilitate uh, there with Novus. And, and part of it, too, is this notion of the meta performance. You know, I even have a couple of meta performance goals here that I've got about four more, five more weeks within uh, 2023 to be able to check off. One of which I'm actually looking at. I think I actually did it. Um, But anyway, (laughs) cross it off. Uh, But yes, cross it off. This notion of meta. And it was something that I resonated with right away. Again, like just coming from an elite sport background. I'm, I'm curious with the, with the work that you're doing at the Institute, 
Kristen, let me come to you. You know, from a notion of coaching coaches, you know, when you actually start to sit down with coaches and, and help them start to see the importance of not coaching to the goals or the high performance component, but actually getting them to open their minds up about, hey, when you sit down and coach someone, there's a chance for you to actually tap into what they're capable of, which goes beyond maybe what they can see. I'm curious, when you're coaching coaches, I'm going to go from the resistance side of it. Where's the initial resistance? What What is it that people can't necessarily buy into when it comes to the even possibility that meta performance is on the table? Yeah, that's a good question. The thing I'm thinking is they're not yet willing to do the work on themselves and that therefore it's hard for them to see that that could potentially happen in somebody else too. It's one of the reasons why we as coaches in Novus Global will always have a coach because we're always going to be doing the work on ourselves. So even me, you know, three years in almost to the firm, I'm constantly, every time I get coached, I have a new insight or there's a new expanded vision or there's a new way of thinking about something. And then I take that work that I'm doing on myself into the work that I'm doing with my clients. And when I can speak to it from more of a lived experience it's in me more than me just regurgitating something I heard at some point. Um, and that's one of the reasons why the Institute work is so immersive mm-hmm. is it is a transformational process as you are building your practice and learning how to do this. It's a, it's a both and mm-hmm. we're doing it at the same time. And I think that is unique and fun and it is tough um, but so rewarding at the same time too. So I think that's where a lot of that resistance can come from is the the newness to it or unwillingness to step into the transformational work themselves. Yeah, mm. I like that. And even, you know, Kristen, I thought that I had when you asked, when you said that it's like, um, there's a saying that you can't lead people where you haven't gone. And mm. that's actually not true. <laughs> you can absolutely lead people where you haven't gone before um, sometimes. But the more you are actually living what you're trying to uh, facilitate in the work of a client, you never know where your authority is going to land. And we're, and also, I think certain types of clients will smell hypocrisy really fast, mm-hmm. where you feel like mm-hmm. it's your job to get them on the treadmill, but you're unwilling to get on the treadmill yourself. And that's why, you know, Steve, the mission statement or the vision statement for the firm is to lead humanity into going beyond high performance. Uh, we intentionally chose lead as a word instead of coach. Because you can coach humanity to going high beyond, beyond high performance and not do that yourself. You can actually do that from the sidelines with the with the headphones on and the mic and, and clipboard and just calling shots as other people win the awards and the trophies and everything. And we actually wanted to, and I have a fierce conviction of uh, that a coaching model actually isn't the solution to that. It's actually a leadership model. And we have to lead people into going beyond high performance, which is why I love Kristen's story about our family. It's just one anecdote of like thousand that we could put on the spot for but like I, when when people hear that story, they're like, "Oh, I could do that," and then that gives Kristen authority. And it's, and her husband wrote a book on parenting and being a father, which is awesome. And and you know, it's just there are they're in the trenches. And I want to coach. I don't know about you, but I want to coach that's in the trenches with me, not just mm-hmm. with the headphones and making the thing happen from the sidelines. And you learn that so quickly in sport. Again, I I don't over rely on my background in sport when i talk on this show too much but sometimes it just makes sense in the sense of 
you know, the, one of the hardest things when you get into something like swim coaching, as I was, is you're not in the water anymore. Hmm. <laughs> so when you say swim hmm. this fast, it's not like you can get in and say, just like this, guys. It's like, no, 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 I don't want to do that. No one wants to see that. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's just the way it is at this point. But what are the other ways that a coach can take ownership of saying, hey, this is how we work. This is how we do things here. Yeah. Because that you can, you can represent the way in which you work without the one you know, being in the water, doing the work in, in that in that scenario. And I think that's what's what I love about the evolution of Novus into the Meta Performance Institute is that is that it's now like, hey, listen, we're not only coaching in that in that regard, but to your point, Jason, we're leading. We're leading and we're leading through even education now as well, which it's so powerful and it immediately makes you want to know too. Cause again, we're we're releasing this right at the end of the year. We're heading into a new year. Why? Why pursue meta performance, right? I'm sure you guys get asked this all the time. Why, why, why care about what we're capable of? What is it that is so appealing about that? Now, I, I know I ask this tongue-in-cheek because, hey, I'm all about it. But I'd love for you, like, Jason, like, why don't you go ahead on first on this? Like, why are we considering meta performance? Maybe in 2024 for the first time, why should we consider it? I'll answer that in a second. I really liked, Steve, what you said, and I want to double-click on it. The it's not, that you have, it's not that in order to be a fantastic coach, you have to be better than the pe- people you're coaching at that specific thing. You know, so I, I like what you said. Like, even though you're out of the water, like Phil, you know, Phil Jackson, obviously, if he's coaching the Bulls, now he could play, but he couldn't play. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was old. He couldn't play like, you know, they mm-hmm. played. And so I appreciate that. And, and what you said, I want to make sure your audience hears is, especially if they're coaches who are listening to this, is it's not important for you to be a better, like fill in the blank than the person that you're coaching, but it is important that you're leaning into growth in certain areas of your life more than the people that you're coaching. And so does, whether it's family or, you know, whether, and I found that when I'm taking risks in my own life and sharing those, even though they're completely unrelated to the few clients that I still have, it inspires them to go forward. And then it does give me authority in their life to push harder as they go into their goals, even though our goals have nothing in common, you know? Mm-hmm. And so there's, again, like this moral authority. Now, in terms of uh, meta performance and, and like, wh- why? Uh, <laughs> I actually really appreciate you asking that, co- that question, Steve. I don't get asked that question very often. And uh, so here's my answer on that. I really deeply believe, well, one, it's I think every person longs to live a fulfilling life. And I, I want to make a distinction between like fulfilling and happy or fulfilling and easy or, you know, fulfilling and of course comfortable. I think human beings were designed to, for fulfillment and to live, I'm going to use the word rich. And I don't mean that necessarily financially, although I don't not mean it financially, but like to live really rich, rewarding, fulfilling lives. And I don't see a path towards deep fulfillment without meta performance. I think the most rewarding and fulfilling lives are found and built in the pursuit of the constant evolution and reinvention of what we are capable of uh, in certain key categories. And I won't, you know, the last chapter of the book is all about nobility. It's my favorite chapter. <laughs> no one ever reads it, <laughs> but if you if you buy the book, you know, the last chapter that's my favorite chapter. And that's and my next book will probably all be about that. But to be honest, I'm not ready to write that book yet because I'm still. In the, and I'll always be in the trenches of this, but I, I want to get a few more miles. And as a human being, as a husband, you know, as a uh, a leader of the companies and as a coach, before I, I I lean into this. But to say this briefly, you know, not all um, not all goals are are worth our lives. And so, part of meta performance isn't just going beyond high performance in terms of becoming a better swimmer or becoming a better executive or becoming even a better uh, actually. 
I was going to say becoming a better mom for Kristen, but actually that's not true. It is about becoming a better mom. Like that, that that's worth it no matter what. You can become a better mm-hmm. swimmer than hang up your, your Speedo or whatever and be like, okay, that was fun, whatever. But there's only one mom for Kristen's kids. And mm-hmm. so it really is, it's not just about going beyond in the thing that you're going after, but it's about finding those things that are more important than just performance. And, you know, love, community, generosity, those types of things. And what I really love about our coaches and this is a work in progress too, but what I really love about our coaches is if you get into the orbit of a Novus Global coach, hopefully not only do you achieve your goals, but you also begin valuing better goals and you not only become a better fill in the blank, you know, whatever executive leader or whatever, but you also become a better person. Like your scope of concern grows. You know, I'm so proud of like right now, uh, Laura Gruen's one of our coaches and she's in South Africa right now uh, working with executives from World Vision or leaders from World Vision rather. And that's a you know, multi-billion dollar global development fund. And, and she's willing to travel across the world to work with these folks who otherwise would have very little uh, possibility of getting access to, to the kind of quality coach that she is. And you know, in a couple of weeks, a bunch of our coaches are going into prison here in New York uh, voluntarily uh, to work with inmates who are going through a program that are the people who taught us how to do what we do, help them design and it's it's not just about making more money or you know uh, getting a promotion or whatever. It's about leaving a bigger mark in the world, and that to me is very very exciting. And I think that's what meta performance is all about. And I think that's why it's so important. It's, you don't you only get to have deep fulfillment if you're pursuing those types of goals. I love that, and yeah, I was kind of uh, it took it took me a moment to read that opening part. I think it's of uh, chapter seven in the book where you talk about you know, your experience with the prisons and yeah. You know, I, I think the the I, I myself have actually volunteered with a uh, a local non for profit here, and I've only been doing it for a couple of months. But it, working with formerly incarcerated guys that are trying to get their lives back together, yeah. and I keep telling the guy that I'm working with, I've been assigned, like you're teaching me more than I can teach you. I promise, yeah. I promise, and he can't <laughs> believe it. And I'm just like, I promise, because the 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 opportunity just to share this space with you is you're trying to pursue something that I simply can't, will never be able to relate to ever, yeah. Yeah. you know, but I'm here for all of it and I'm so curious towards it. Um, but Jason, I appreciate that response. Kristen, I'd love your two cents on on why meta performance is, uh, is essential. I think I was even thinking for myself and what my experience was, we talk about our coaching like even when we when we started two day training with a company or organization, it's it's like, hey, we're here to get twice as much done in half as much time, and but with higher satisfaction. And that last piece for me is is the piece that matters the most because otherwise we're just going to keep striving and striving and striving. And even when we have successes, then it's almost like, oh my gosh, huh. like I don't know if I could do any more. Um, but then you don't want to go backwards either. So then you just end up feeling like an, you're in this stuck place, but what meta performance has taught me is there are different ways. It's not just doing more of the same thing you've been doing. There's different ways to go about things. There's better ways to go about things. There's more efficient ways to go about things that lead to that higher satisfaction piece. And that's out of those three things. Like the first two happen as I start thinking differently and doing things differently and operating differently. But it's that third piece that I'm pursuing more is like, is my satisfaction, Is do I have a higher satisfaction here? Do I have better quality of life? Am I seeing the evidence of that show up in the intangible spaces that people may not, kind of back to the beginning of our conversation, may not think of right off the bat? And those are the things that it's worth it to me 
to to do something different and look at things in a different way. So that's why it's been valuable for me. And then therefore why I want that so deeply mm-hmm. for other people. Now to your point, I can't want it more for them than they want it for themselves, sure. but I can at least lay it out for them and offer it. Mm-hmm. And I'm uh, pleasantly surprised at how many people choose to step into something different. Yeah. Can I, we, we can cut this part out of the interview if you want, but like, cause now, now this phrase has been mentioned twice and I, and I was going to push a little bit on it the first time it was mentioned, but now it's mentioned twice. And by the way, I want to go, I'm open to being wrong about this. And I have myself said to people, you can't want it more uh, than other people. And so at the risk of sounding codependent, I also want to say, sometimes it's my job. It's not that I'm going to do more work for someone else. It's not that I'm going to resent them if they don't want it. Because I think that's where it becomes codependent is when you resent people for not wanting more, or you get passive aggressive or bitter or whatever, because other people don't want it more, or you feel like you're trying to drag someone through a coaching thing because you want it more or whatever. Uh, and I do see like one of the, my greatest joys. So I'm sure that there's a, a wisdom there. And I think there's a corollary to it where like when, when Kristen works with somebody or when Kristen works with me, even she, she believes in me sometimes more than I believe in myself. Like she's a, she's a midwife to my dreams and she's a, she's a, a, a you know, a cheerleader, I guess, but like more than that, like I do sometimes draft off of the belief and desire and confidence of my coach. And it does, at least the, the experience I have is they do want it more for me, but like in a helpful way, in a inspiring way, in a confidence building way. And maybe we need to find a different word for it so we can, we can mm-hmm. preserve the you can't want it more because I do think there's truth there. But at the same time, man, like when I talked to a person for the first time, just a few weeks ago, I was talking to a, a producer in Hollywood who... Uh, you know, has made movies that all of our, everyone has seen like over a billion dollars in revenue from the movies that this guy's produced. And him and I have stayed in touch since that first call. And I know like he, he, what he said to me was like, like, dude, like you just believe in people. Like you just really believe in people. And I believe in him more than he believes in himself. And then partly that's what he's paying for. And so then and let me kick it to you. I don't, you know, we're almost out of time or whatever, but how would you, how would you fix that? So that's my sloppy, like coming into the middle of the thing saying there's something that rose yeah. me wrong about that phrase. So like, where's the distinction? If we're going to like create content on the fly right now, what's, where's, what's a healthier way of saying it than what I just said? I, you know, it's funny as you're talking, one of the things I used to always respond myself in the sports world was why do I see that they're capable of more than they themselves are able to see? Like that, that was always a question I would ask myself. And then in those moments where I felt as though I did want it more than they did, I would at least pursue with curiosity, like, is there an opportunity to educate them or connect them on some deeper level with that third part of what you were saying, Kristen, is like, what is it about that fulfillment that they're not seeing, that potential fulfillment that they're not seeing, which makes the pursuit of their potential in this, in this respective event, sport, whatever, worth doing and doing the work and going that extra mile? Because I feel as though I'm ready to put that in, but I don't get that shared desire from them. I don't know what that word is. I love that you brought us here, Jason, because it, for me, it is something that I've thought about so many times. I have a couple of clients immediately that come to mind right now that I feel this with in this moment. And I, and I think it's, I don't think it'll ever go away because I think we're coaches. One of the main reasons we're coaches is because we just see yeah. in people what they themselves weren't able to see. Yeah, first, and right? I love it. I love it. I want more for everyone in my life than what they want for themselves. I think where it gets toxic is when I start manipulating or judging or condemning mm-hmm. or that kind of, that's where it gets kind of gross. 
you know, even like I'm a newlywed and I, there's things that I want for my wife that I know that she wants and she's told me she, it matters to her, but like it's, maybe it's, maybe it's a timing thing. You know, who, who knows? And I'm not mad at her for not going all in on X, Y, and Z because she's busy doing other things. But I, I, I like carry that. It's like her, her dream is like gestating inside of me for when she's ready for it. And then when she's ready for it, oh, we are going to, we're going to have some fun, you know? So maybe there's like a respecting their boundaries and simultaneously giving myself permission to do the thing that makes me feel alive, which is really having a deep, fierce belief in people. You know, like if, if Kristen could see the dreams that I have for her, I don't know if that would be good for her or, or helpful or whatever, but I'm, so I'm just going to kind of hold it. I'm just going to carry it for now. And then my hope is that leaks out to where she feels like I'm for her and that I believe in her and it can come out in like trickles or whatever, you know, like there's something valuable there. I mean, I'm, I'm searching for like a, a tweetable sentence, you know, <laughs> where I want, I'm comfortable wanting things more than other people want them, but I won't weaponize. I don't know. I'm looking for the alliterative. I don't know. We'll, we'll figure it out. Maybe if you're listening to this, you can, you can give us some feedback. And yeah. Answers, answers by mail. Help us, help <laughs> us figure out. Yeah. Help us, Cause there's a paradox there, right? But yes, 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 yes. I think, well, because if I can even jump yeah, in, the, the, as you were talking, because I'm like, well, to me, there's a, there is almost a difference there, a nuance of belief in someone, maybe more than they have belief for themselves or seeing it for someone more than they can see it for themselves. That makes mm -hmm. sense because we are a few, maybe a few steps ahead or have seen the experience somewhere else. Or like Steve, even when you were coaching and swimming, like you have the experience there and then it, it is that like laying it out on the table for them because maybe they don't see it yet mm -hmm. and uh but it but there jason to your point too is like there's the wanting and the i go back to if you're a personal trainer it's like i can't lift the weights for yeah. you i can't just walk over and be like fine 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 let me just do it you know <laughs> it's like I, I know you could do it so let me yeah. just do it and that's the that um that's the tension there for me of the like where's my positioning on this and, and almost how, where's my response to it? Cause I can believe in you more than you believe in yourself all day. I can see it for you more than you can see it for yourself all day. And I'll keep that kind of carrot out in front of you as you are transforming, as you are growing. It's like, all right, here's the next level of the video game. Okay. Here's the next level of the video game. And if your desire, if your want continues to follow, cool, let's keep playing, but I can't force you into That's something. Right. right. Yeah. Right. I love it. And so. it's like, the, it's almost like the terms and conditions, you know, it's kind of what I'm hearing. It's like, how do you, how do we get the terms and conditions in a way you're almost, that the, the person's writing them, but we're all, we're both in pursuit of the same thing. We want the same thing, et cetera. And I don't know, we could probably just keep going, batting this idea around yeah. for mm -hmm. quite a while and, yes. and still not get an answer. But no, uh, we're going to find an answer. <laughs> no, no, hold fun. on. We're gonna, we, we will find eventually. <laughs> we'll find, we will, we will, we will find an answer. But just maybe join us next week. Join us next week for when we find the answer. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, listen, guys, this, is, this has been everything that I expected it to be in the sense that I don't know where the last 45, 50 minutes just went, but they've come and they've gone and they were wonderful. I appreciated all of it. I cannot emphasize enough, firstly, for people to go out. I got it right here to go out and grab yourself a copy uh, beyond high performance, especially for those of you that are just like heading into the new year. And it's like, eh, you know, what do I do? Is, is, do I really want to go after this thing? Finally, is this my year? Go ahead. Pick mm -hmm. up the book. Open your mind up to, uh, to just a, a new approach, a, a way of going about something that maybe you've never considered 
before. So just really encourage people to do that. Finally, as well, I just want to give you both the the props of the work that you're doing. I'm such a uh, a recipient of the wonderful work, Kristen, that you do. Uh, Jason, I'm, I'm just so completely in awe of what you've built and created and been a part of, obviously, as a community. And I, I know you're all about doing it with others. So I don't want to make that come off as I'm, I'm telling you that you did it by yourself. <laughs> but just to be abundantly clear, like an incredible thing that you formed and created here over the last nine years. But with this Last question, I just want to put it out there. What does the future hold? You can answer that from an individual standpoint, from a Nova standpoint, but I always love just getting an idea on, hey, we're all competitors on this show. What does it look like? What's the future look like? Yeah, well, one is I want to honor you, Steve. You know, Thanks for having us on the show and thanks for modeling to your clients what coachability looks like and choosing to invest in someone like Kristen. And Kristen's no joke. So you know that if someone's listening to this and they work with Steve, like she's no joke. And that's a significant sacrifice and investment. And you know, I'm sure that helps you as well. But you know, in ways, I hope that you never even get to fully realize that people are inspired by the way that you're always pursuing growth. And, and your story is awesome. I'd love to learn more even about just your journey into this world. So it's been great to get to know mm-hmm. you a little bit. In terms of future, I mean, I'm tr- let me think of a way of connecting this. I'll go back to uh, us going into prisons and Laura going to Defy and and, you know, Kristen and I being in Raleigh and then going to Nashville, there's uh, human life is just so special. It's precious. And, you know, uh, we only get like a really brief window here. And even my, you know, my wife, she, um, one of her friends from high school passed away in his 40s uh, last week. And it's just been a reminder of how uh, precious life is. And so, you know, I think a lot about what, what's the purpose of life and, and what does it mean to be alive? And, and because, you know, our, our best and perfect understanding of it is revolving around like nobility and, and meta performance, we want, we want as many people as possible to live as deep and rewarding and fulfilling lives as possible. And, you know, so you have about 7 billion people on the planet. Uh, we've got 40 coaches right now serving about 350 uh clients and companies. And so we've got a pretty big, pretty big gap <laughs> in terms of <laughs> uh, what we're trying to accomplish. And so our dreams is to have thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people who are as in love with this idea of pursuing what we're capable of in every industry, in every country uh, as possible, and that the results would you know, make us drop to our knees in awe and say, I mean, I can't believe, I can't believe this is our life. I can't believe this is life. I can't believe this is, these are the stories that are happening with our clients and these are the stories that are happening in our own lives. And so that's, that's what I think excites me. And, and that's what, that's why we have the Institute so we can train other people to do what we do. That's why we have the firm and, and we, we believe in serving in herds and, and even this fun, it was fun kicking around that idea. So see, this is what we do, right? You know, uh, someone says a maxim and then someone else says, well, I don't know, is that really true? And then we get to kind of wrestle it out. And then, and there's, and there's some kind of nugget that the world needs to know. And uh, and that's I'm grateful, Kristen, that you and I get to to do this together. And so, you know, more Kristens, more Lauras, more Jasons, I suppose, more more Steves in the world. That's what we're up to. Love it. Kristen, what's next? Oh, I'm on board with that 100. <laughs> percent So I'll just leave it there. <laughs> more of the same. More of the same. Love it. Yeah, that's a mic drop. Love it. Well, guys, I appreciate the time so much. Uh, thank you both. And uh, yeah, just looking forward to. 
continuing our relationship, Kristen, in the new year, and also just to continue to follow all the amazing things that you, you're all doing there with Novus. So thanks again for the time, guys. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks, Steve. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Career Competitor. And before you leave, be sure to take advantage of your free one-time discovery call with me to see how I can be of service to you as a coach or potentially even your team. Depending on what it is you're looking for at this point within your career, I want to be able to serve you with 30 minutes of my time to see how I can be of use to you and help you on your path of continued growth towards your optimal self in order to find optimal performance. Be sure to reach out to me, steve at careercompetitor.com or just head to the website careercompetitor.com. I look forward to connecting with you soon and bye for now.